0: As a platform for truth and healing, we are on a mission to help others that suffer from PTSD and help bring awareness to mental health issues. To hear my story and others, you can find Invisible Tears wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. Today we have something a little bit different for you. Switch things up because recently I've been looking into stories about shadow people. There's a lot of these stories, but a lot are anecdotal, but it's an interesting topic. I don't know if you know about them, but I didn't really myself. While I was digging around the internet, I began to connect the dots to an experience that I had, and I'll share with you guys in this episode. And it sounded like maybe I actually saw a shadow person. Welcome to this Patreon-only patrons episode. Let's dig into the stories and find out what they are and why so many people have seemed to encounter the shadow people. Shadow people are often described as humanoid figures that appear like ghosts, only they are more physically defined always dark like a shadow, and often have more defined interactions with those who have seen them, some of which are terrifying stories that have supposedly even led to death. Now, witnesses, to which there are many, swear by their encounters with these entities, describing them as supernatural spirits of some kind or perhaps extra-dimensional beings, some even think they could be aliens, Skeptics, on the other hand, dismiss them as illusions or hallucinations triggered by a heightened sense of fear or mental stress, a trick of the eye or night terror that feels all too real. So, let's break it down a bit so we can better wrap our heads around what these are. And generally, there appears to be three types. Firstly, the most common experiences are fleeting glimpses. These shadowy figures are seen from the corner of one's eye, quickly crossing a wall or disappearing around a corner. It's most likely at night or in a dark place, but these sightings can happen in the day too. It's easy to write off these brief encounters as mere imagination or trick of the eye, but the unsettling sensation they leave behind is often hard to shake off. But still, many people do, and they keep it to themselves, just like I have for many years until I started reading up on them. The second type of encounters are rarer and far more compelling. Witnesses observe the shadow entity for a prolonged period of time. It's during these instances that human-like movements become apparent, this lingering interaction gives the witness ample time to study the entity. The way these things move The intent behind their actions often compel witnesses to ascribe a disturbing form of intelligence to these shadows. Often, they have no discernible facial characteristics, yet those who see them swear that they are looking right at them. The third and by far the rarest type of encounters involve actual physical contact. Here, the witness is touched or otherwise physically affected by the entity further cementing the reality of the encounter in their minds. Interestingly, there's a common thread of the tall man in the hat that people have seen across different cultures. Some describe it as a man with a fedora, others say it's a top hat, but he comes at night and he imposes upon his victim a fear unlike anything they've ever felt before. In fact, it was the story of a shadow man that actually inspired the character of Freddy Krueger in A Nightmare on Elm Street, hence his fedora. Writer and director Wes Craven got the idea for the story right from the news headlines when multiple able-bodied men all around the U.S. began dying in their sleep. And to this day, there's still no explanation as to why this happened. Back in the early 80s, the Los Angeles Times wrote an article that detailed the inexplicable death of a refugee child from the Cambodian genocide. This boy was tormented by sleep, gripped by a paralyzing fear that if he succumbed to his dreams, he would never wake up. His parents' relief when he finally drifted off to sleep was abruptly shattered by their son's screams, followed by a chilling silence. When they rushed to his side, they found him lifeless, a victim of an apparent nightmare that transferred over into real life. But this was far from an isolated incident, because the 80s saw a series of these mystifying deaths among young Hmong men, refugees who had fled Laos amidst a backdrop of persecution and civil unrest. The Hmong who had been recruited by the CIA to combat North Vietnamese soldiers during the Vietnam War, found themselves cast as traitors by the new communist regime in Laos in 1975. The result was a brutal mass migration under fraught conditions to Thailand and the United States. As if the traumatic journey from their homeland wasn't enough, the Hmong faced significant hardships in their adopted countries. They lived in poverty, grappling with the traumatic experiences they had left behind, and a haunting, unseen menace began to prey upon them. An eerily similar parallel to Wes Craven's horrific narrative, these affected victims were predominantly young men and teenagers. In 1981, the LA Times reported the chilling case of Yong Leng Tao, a 47-year-old Laotian refugee, Having escaped the horrors of his homeland, Tao sought a fresh start with his family in America. But soon after resettling, he tragically died in his sleep, becoming the 13th Hmong death recorded since 1978. There were many more after that, and many theories among the Hmong community to explain these mysterious deaths. Everything from the ghosts of their past in the form of chemical nerve agents to supernatural retribution from displeased ancestral spirits which would be more in line with the shadow people. There are stories of an old shadow woman who at night would come to those who were sleeping and sit on the chest of the victim, paralyzing them, and this is the same with the tall hat man. We know this because many people escaped death from them, but perhaps there are many who didn't live to tell the tale. In total, more than 117 refugees died this way, and to this day, doctors and investigators are left baffled, unable to pinpoint a medical explanation. The CDC later classified this eerie phenomenon as sudden unexplained nocturnal death syndrome, or SUNS, yet the wave of SUNS deaths among the Southeast Asians, particularly the Hmong, remain largely unsolved. Shifting gears, another story from a man named Michael W. is an interesting insight into the shadow people. In the fall of 1998, Michael woke up in the middle of the night. Thirsty ventured into his dark kitchen for a glass of water, when he suddenly felt a disturbing sensation of being watched. He looked up, and that's when he saw a figure at the top of his basement stairs, which he initially assumed to be his friend Larry. When the figure didn't respond to his call, he got freaked. His heart pounded as he pulled out a pocket knife and prepared to defend himself. Suddenly, the shadow moved towards him. In his panic, Michael lunged forward with the knife, only to watch the shadow move into his arms as if trying to impale itself. And then, in a surreal moment, the shadow passed through him, proceeding through the kitchen, into the dining room, and finally through the wall leading outside. After this unnerving encounter, he searched his house, but found nothing. He was so scared, though, that he fled to his old apartment the rest of the night. Thankfully, Michael never experienced such an encounter again in the house. However, he did wonder if the paint fumes or even the uncanny coincidence of his house address, ending in 666, might have played a part in the bizarre incident. Moving over to the suburbs of Knoxville, Tennessee, at an ordinary apartment complex, strange occurrences have been reported by numerous residents for some time. Many of them have had spectral encounters with a chilling entity referred to as the Shadow Person, and this complex is built on land imbued with a tragic history, as decades ago was the location of an infamous death that has never been fully explained. On April 18th of 1928, Lillian Haynes and her family lived on this land. They were a well-to-do family, heirs to a successful shoe company, well-respected among the community. Head of the house, Lily was a church member and secretary-treasurer of the Knox County Humane Society. But the family, of course, wasn't without their issues. She bore the shame of her son's scandalous behavior and the disgrace of their divorces, quite a taboo in the 1920s Bible Belt Society. But the real mystery started on that April evening when Lily's son, W.P. Jr., returned home from a night out to discover his mother's lifeless body inside her locked bedroom. Police initially ruled the death a suicide, but later found inconsistencies that prompted a more thorough investigation. Despite the son’s claims of a robbery gone wrong, nothing valuable was missing from the home. The sheriff's Department questioned the initial ruling of suicide, citing Lily’s last activities of being busy among town as usual, as peculiar for someone contemplating ending their life. And a crucial but circumstantial piece of evidence that threw suspicion on W.P. Jr. himself, was the family bulldog Jack known to be aggressive with strangers, but gentle with family members. There were no signs of an attack from him, no wounds to his body, no scuff or bite marks anywhere. As the sole heir to the family fortune, W.P. had a lot to gain from his mother's demise, stirring public suspicion. After Lily's death, the Haynes estate quickly fell into despair, the prosperous shoe business was hit by the Great Depression and the family fortune evaporated. The one's grand estate was then replaced, first by a convalescent home and later the present-day apartment complex. In recent years, residents there have reported sightings of a shadowy figure, aptly dubbed the Shadow Person. In many areas, despite it being dark in color and faceless, People feel like it belongs to that of a female. So, if it is Lily, then perhaps the shadow is a ghost, but then again, it may not be Lily at all. And that's just what the residents refer to it as, because we tend to think of any sort of apparition we see as a ghost and not a shadow person, which could be something entirely different. But what exactly could be the true nature of these shadow beings, then, if not spirits? Well, one theory suggests that they often appear during the stage of REM sleep paralysis. When we fall asleep, our bodies shut down our ability to move our muscles. And sleep paralysis is a weird in-between sleep and awake time where we may have become conscious again, but our brain has yet to release us of not being able to use our muscles. Hence, the person can't move but is awake, which is terrifying. Even scarier than that is that your brain can also be dreaming partially, and so dreams spill into reality, and you hallucinate seeing things like shadow people while stuck in bed until your body sorts itself out. Neuroscientists say that at least 20% of the population experience these kinds of episodes, though they vary in terms of how long they last and how intense they are. And then there are people like Heidi Hollis, author of The Secret War, The Heavens Speak of the Battle, where she often discusses shadow people and ascribes these entities to extraterrestrial sources, suggesting various ways to ward them off. Hollis describes shadow people as dark silhouettes with human shapes and profiles that flicker in and out of peripheral vision, and claims that people have reported the figures attempting to Jump on their chest and choke them. Another explanation is that they are beings from another dimension. When we see them, it's as if the dimensions are crossing paths. We can catch a glimpse of someone living their lives on that plane, only we don't fully get to see all the details of them, hence the dark color and nondescript details in their bodies and faces. Some believe they are even a version of ourselves living in another dimension, which is why we may be the only one to see it, even when other people are around. And that brings me to my story. Now, I'm not trying to convince you one way or another. In fact, this isn't even a story I've told to many people, because I think, like so many other who have seen these things, it's very quick, it's not actually much of a story, but Given the context, and you guys being supporters of the show, I figure you might like it. So this happened to me when I was around 9 or 10. I grew up in Massachusetts, and it was in the summer. And my mother and I were walking to a friend's house who lived maybe half a mile or so away. Just walking along your general suburban street, just everything normal. There was a large rock near the road at the edge of somebody's property... We were walking by it, and a figure jumped out from behind it. Sort of more like, floated out, I guess, but it stood there, and it looked at me. I stopped dead in my tracks, and despite this thing having no face, it was definitely looking right at me. We were like 10 feet apart, had the same color blue shirt and red shorts as me, but it was hazy, so... Not well defined, but definitely defined enough to read as like a young boy to me. It stood there for maybe two or three seconds and then dipped back from where it came. It happened very fast and it wasn't scary, but it was more like, what the fuck is this? My mom asked me what was happening and I told her I just saw somebody, but we just kept walking and it was like one of those scenes in a movie where The character sees the killer or a ghost for a second and when their friend asks what's wrong they say, nothing, I just thought I saw something. And that was really it. Never saw anything like that again, it was weird and could have just been nothing but a glitch in my brain or maybe it was a shadow person, I don't know. It was hot that day, maybe it was like the vapors of the atmosphere playing tricks on my eyes. We'll never know. And many people who have experiences like this will never know. And maybe that's a good thing. Keeps things interesting. So that's really it for this episode, guys. Let me know if you enjoyed the different format. It's not something I do all the time, but a lot of you have told me that you enjoy the deeper dives. And personally, I do too, so it's something we can get in the mix here for you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a good one, guys. Thanks for the support and sleep tight.